In our podcast miniseries, Made by Microbes, we explore new ways of microbial production. The range of microbial products is widening, with advances in life sciences that enable microbes to produce substances that are naturally produced by animals or plants. We invite people whose daily work is deeply rooted in microbial research to share their insights and discuss the expected impact of biotechnology on our everyday life. Hello and welcome to the podcast mini-series. My name is Barbara Imhof and with this episode we are launching this series with today's title Engaging Microbes. We will talk about microbes in general and some of their incredible capabilities and new ways of microbial production that are possible through advances in life sciences. Microbes are astonishing creatures. Usually invisible to the human eye, their existence and role within the biosphere has largely remained unnoticed or underrated in human history. Their physiology appears simple. Genes of microbes were the first to be decoded, but they show a wide range of capabilities that make them the most successful species in the world. In our studio, we welcome Juan Nogales, Juan is the head of the Systems Biology Group at the National Biotechnology Center with the Spanish National Research Council, which is a leading research facility in Spain. And his work is focused on deciphering the microbial metabolism, its evolutionary and biotechnological implications through synthetic and systems biology approaches and Juan also possesses a large experience in metabolic reconstructions and metabolic engineering. And this is all great and big, and I'm really looking forward to hearing more from Juan about this so that we also understand much better what he's doing. And we are very happy to welcome Waltraud Hoeneder. She's a researcher and co-founder of Liquifer Vienna an enterprise that has been engaged in a wide range of cross-disciplinary research projects, which reach from biomimetics to space architecture. Baltraud has worked in different fields, such as market research, architectural design, and since more than 15 years within the research projects of Liquifer. Her work is combining research and design, developing scenarios and designs for advanced technological applications. So Juan and Waltraud, you are both part of an international research project called SynBioForFlove, which aims at the development of alternative ways of microbial production. Maybe you can just tell us firstly, what is your personal background and how did you get involved with microbes and microbial production? Hello, everybody. I am biologist, I'm biochemist by training. And my first contact with bacteria was during my master's thesis when I was studying uh, metabolism of microalgae. And then uh, during my PhD, I was working in the field of uh, biodegradation. The main objective was to use bacteria in order to remove recalcitrant aromatic compound and hydrocarbon from the environment. So bacteria are amazing. They can use these contaminants to produce high-value bioproducts, such as bioplastic, biofuel, etc. After that, I moved abroad 
And uh, during my postdoc, uh, I was working in several projects in the production of high-value compounds using sustainable carbon source. So for instance, in Iceland, uh, I was working in the production of hydrogen. Yes, it's amazing, but there are bacteria able to produce hydrogen from saga, another renewable carbon source that then we can use an energy source in our uh, normal life. So this bio-hydrogen is a really sustainable energy source that we can produce with uh, bacteria. After that, I moved to the States and I started to work in a couple of projects in order to produce biofuels uh, using CO2 as, as carbon source. So, um, yeah, the main idea behind this project was to replace uh, fossil fuels while providing a net CO2 footprint to try to mitigate a problem with uh, global warming and climate change. So, basically, in this that project, we use bacteria to produce biofuel from CO2 and home electricity. In the other project, we use uh, photosynthetic bacteria. These are more uh, conventional bacteria to carry out photosynthesis to produce bioplastic from sunlight and CO2. Currently, I still work with uh, micro to produce uh, different interesting things while trying to reduce environmental problems. In summary, as you can see from my experience, micro are an endless source of bioprocess that we can use in many aspects of our life. This is quite a big field you're working in and you have tackled a lot of different processes which seem to be very conducive to create a better environment or to make our world better through bioprocesses and bacteria. So Waltraud, where do you come from and how did you get involved in this topic? Hello, everybody. Well, most of my family has been and is involved in natural sciences, uh, in organic chemistry, in pharmacy and biology. But I myself, I studied commercial science and architecture and I would consider myself more a generalist uh, rather than a specialist. My professional life started with analyzing statistics and doing market research. Then I worked in the field of architecture and design. And within Liquifer, the focus has really shifted from classical architecture and design towards basic research. And we mostly work with scientists and engineers. Juan and I first met in an EU project called Living Architecture, where microbial activity supports the infrastructure of buildings to treat the wastewater in brick-like modules, also to generate energy and to regain substances from the wastewater that would be lost otherwise, such as phosphate. And the goal of the project was to establish circular systems locally to reduce the pressure on the supply grids. I was also involved in research projects in the frame of art and science with a focus on biomimetics, which is about the transfer of principles and mechanisms that are observed in nature into new technologies. And 
In uh, many research projects, our company assumes the task of science communication, and this is partly due to our special background. As architects and designers, our role is collaborative and integrative. The architectural design is usually developed with the inputs of many stakeholders. Architects are usually mediating between stakeholders because they need to accommodate all the different interests in the final design. So you come from a completely different background, but you have sort of paved your way into these hybrid projects. So both of you, in that sense, must have a long-term experience in interdisciplinary research. What do you think are the challenges and what are the beneficial things of this particular work method? In my opinion, so um, yeah, the, the more challenging uh, uh, task in this interdisciplinary project is that uh, probably we speak different languages. We address the same problem, but using different languages. So definitely interdisciplinary projects uh, are uh, fundamental in, in order to go be beyond of, uh, of um, frontier of uh, knowledge, right? Because if only biologists address biological problems, um, we are losing a lot of um, solution space, okay? So if we try to solve a biological problem from different point of view, we want to find um, new ways to solve this problem. And during the uh, LIAR project, the project that I was to mention previously, in which by combining experience with uh, ceramic and biology, we were able to construct uh, a new solution for our biological problem. This is a new kind of bioreactor uh, constructed with ceramic elements that allow uh, to grow uh, microbial communities of two different species in the same space at the same time, but um, separated uh, by a ceramic device. So this is uh, definitely uh, something that um, uh, only uh, interdisciplinary research uh, can provide. New solution, um, better solution. That is interesting because Vatrot actually produced these ceramics. And so, uh, Juan, you're describing uh, how these different disciplines can come together. Vatrot, how do you experience the work within different disciplines and what do you think are the challenges and the benefits? Well, it is really a big challenge to understand what the scientists talk about because they usually talk about very detailed issues of their research. And as Juan said, they use a language which uh, non-scientists like me usually are not familiar with. But along uh, with gathering more information on the topic, it is a very exciting experience, like exploring a new land. Sometimes I have the impression uh, when I keep on asking uh, that people like me are a little annoying to the scientists, but in a way we are like translators. And uh, if we if we can grasp the overall issue, then we can communicate it uh, to a much wider group of people as well. Good. So because now we have a question for Juan, where we probably might need some translation. 
from you or maybe not, especially the advances in genetics along with the advances in computer technologies open up new fields for employing microbes in production processes. Juan, what do you think about this or how do you see this? Yeah, so yeah, definitely uh, I think that we are assisting uh, uh, these days uh, to a real revolution in life science. Everything has started a few uh, years ago with the possibility to sequence genome. So uh, before sequencing, uh, we have uh, a book, uh, but the book was closed. By sequencing, um, we now have the possibility to read all the information contained in this book. But after that, uh, appear new technology. Next was uh, the possibility to understand the gene expression of one organism at genome scale. Gene expression basically means how the story that are read in the book can change, you know, in response to some environmental conditions. So we have an open story uh, in, in our biological book that can change, you know, in response to different conditions. But uh, the revolution is not stopped here. More recently, we have learned how to change accurately uh, the letter of this book. Uh, we can even change the chapter, complete chapter of this book. Uh, we can edit the genome very accurately. Probably the more fascinating thing is that now we are also able to, to synthesize, to write a new book. So definitely it's a real revolution, but uh, you are right, um, Barbara. Uh, we cannot uh, understand this revolution without uh, advances in computational science. So, because we are now able to generate a huge amount of data, so we need computational tools. Uh, you can see here how the multidisciplinary research becomes necessary in order to provide a novel solution. Yeah, Juan, uh, you are talking about a book, and uh, it's the book of life. Uh, is uh, often referred to that is uh, encoded in the genes. Uh, and um, what is really fascinating are the similarities between computer codes and genetic codes, and even our writing. It's all about sequences of letters. In the Latin alphabet, it is 26 letters. But in computer codes, you all know it's only two letters or two digits, the zero and one. And genetic information is encoded in four molecules in the DNA, which are four bases, A, C, G, and T. And the sequence of these bases represent the codes where all the functions of living organisms are encoded. And what I heard um, is that the advances in genetics and the advances in computer technology somehow developed hand in hand. That uh, computer technology built on genetics even. Juan talked about gene sequencing. Only with computer technology you can record the data that is encoded in gene. You have to imagine it's a huge amount of data. And then um, you have all these sequences of of information, but you have to interpret them. So you have to 
understand what is encoded in there. And as far as I understand, it is done by advanced computer technologies that you can compare similar patterns, not only uh, uh, find out about identical patterns, but also find out about similar patterns. And, and step by step, you compare them to f uh, functions that are known, that are encoded in certain patterns. And Juan talked about gene expression. Yeah, the genes uh, are to me like a big library uh, full of books. But if I don't pull out the book and read what is inside, and it's a book full of instruction manuals. And if I don't use the instruction manual and make something out of it, the books are just in the shelf and are not used. And this is gene expression. Gene expression is uh, only happening when it is required, when you pull out the book and read it. It is also a way that that you can respond uh, to the environmental changes because every single cell in our body has the same genetic information, but they don't all react in the same way. Uh, and only because some of the genes are turned off and some are turned on. Is that correct, Juan? Yes, yes, uh, definitely. The, the, the real potential of, of one organism is encoded in the genome, as you say, all the information is contained in the genome, but not all information is um, uh, used at the same time. So the real metabolic potential of a living organism uh, is difficult to know because uh, you have to uh, study the performance of one single organism in multiple environmental conditions in order to understand all the things that this organism is able to do. This is very interesting because uh, normally we study um, very uh, few conditions, few environmental conditions. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, if we have the possibility to test uh, uh, thousands of different conditions, uh, we uh, will be able to, to see how uh, the expression of the gene is changing. Juan, you also uh, addressed uh, genome editing, and I think uh, there's uh, a big discussion on it. Uh, the most famous, I think, is CRISPR-Cas9, because it, it is somehow revolutionizing the, the, the research in life science. There was a Nobel Prize in, in, in chemistry uh, in 2020, so last year, was awarded to uh, Jennifer Doudner from US and Emmanuel Charpentier from France. It is like a tool uh, that we know from word editing programs mm -hmm. that you can cut and paste parts of DNA with yeah. a very high precision. If even replace a single letter, right? CRISPR now is very keen technology, allow us cut Space, but also replace a single basis. And also another uh, important aspect of CRISPR is that can be used at genome scale. So we can change at the same time thousands of genes in, in one single genome, right? So CRISPR is completely uh, revolutionary technology. We can introduce even new letters in the, in the book this is very important from two point of view because we can increase the, the, the number of the bits or the information that we can encode. 
And also it's important because we can create a new generation of the uh, recombinant organisms that cannot be um, uh, expanded uh, outside of the lab. So this is very important from the technical ethical point of view because they have a specific and synthetic uh, genetic code. They cannot grow outside of the human um, care. So uh, we already heard from you, uh, Juan, that um, microbial processes can actually clean our environment or eliminate harmful substances. Uh, but I also assume that we need to create production on a larger scale for this. So what do you think, or can you tell us more about the potentials of microbes for microbial production on a larger scale? Yeah, if we really want to realize the real potential of the large scale of a micro, we have to look up to the past. Uh, in fact, some microorganisms start to produce oxygen from water um, thousands of million years ago. So this is the real potential that micro have. In any case, I think that uh, um, the new genetic technology, the new computational technology provide us possibility to fit uh, the multiple human necessities that we have uh, uh, these days. So we can use microorganisms to produce food, to produce new material, to produce uh, energy, but also we can use microengineer micro for human health, but not only providing um, antibiotic, new antibiotic or new uh, antiviral. We have a lot of micro in our body. Um, every day we know more about the, the potential of this micro. So if we can understand how this organism help us to live, um, and if we can modify this microbiota, we can increase our health uh, in, the, in, the, in the next year. So um, this is a very interesting uh, field that the people is, is, is working. We know every day more. Um, in summary, definitely they have potential to help uh, change our planet, provide food, provide new energy source, more sustainable, provide um, you know, our healthy uh, life, yeah, well, uh, Juan just addressed it, that uh, microbes have been used in, in traditional food production and now on large scale in producing the very basic food that we live on, uh, bread, cheese, um, sausages, yogurt. And usually they make food last longer. It's a way of preservation. And we rely already on uh, microbial production on uh, larger scale, especially for medical applications. All the antibiotics that we use are, are produced by microbes. It's part of their defense strategies against other microbes. For example, penicillin is produced by uh, special fungi uh, to fight bacteria. And so we can benefit from all their strategies, uh, how they deal uh, with the environment and what is very interesting is that most of the microbes are beneficial and only a few are harmful. We have now the experience with COVID-19, but 
the biggest majority is important for our ecology. And all the higher life forms, we um, humans, uh, animals, plants, we all live in symbiosis with uh, microorganisms. And this is a big pool that we um, have not been aware of, of the production processes that we are using now. We know they are depleting our environment. And if we would work more together with microbes, we could uh, develop much more sustainable production processes. This for me is very interesting. So now we start to realize the importance of micro in our houses, right? So because we are um, analyzing the micro that we have in our houses, we can understand why some families have uh, different uh, health problems and others not. And this is because micro are uh, everywhere in our lives um, and are impacting in our lives continuously. But um, it's important to know uh, what are doing these bacteria in our home in order to engineer our home, providing uh, proper habits uh, to, to in which uh, beneficial bacteria can live with us. Yeah, and Juan also addressed... Uh... Uh, something that is very important for many people, this ethical and safety issues, because uh, many people uh, have some reservations or disapprove of these advances in life sciences and biotechnology. I personally, I have to say, um, I changed my point of view on a lot of things. The more information I get about the microbial world and that microbes naturally are experts in exchanging DNA constantly. So our evolution depends on changes in DNA. We have changed uh, farm animals or, or farm plants. Farm animals and farm plants have little to do with their wild relatives, but their genes have been changed over time uh, for a long period of time by selective breeding. So we changed the genetic pool of our earth anyhow. But that's common practice in the microbial world in general. And we need to explore other practices. We know that we get to the limits of our uh, industrial agricultural practices, that they are harmful and depleting the environment uh, long term. And so we have to develop new ways how to cope with a, a population of nearly 8 billion people and uh, we don't want to go back in time and uh, live under the pre-industrial conditions because it would mean a huge loss of, of health and safety and we have this global challenge uh, to maintain this elevated standard of living of many people and raise those of the people who did not have access uh, to them yet but without depleting the environment so we have to learn ways to cooperate um, with our environment and this is for sure uh, possible by involving microbes as they do that anyhow all along already since uh, the world existed <laughs> or, or the biosphere existed uh, microbes were the first one um yeah you, you mentioned the ethical issues we are starting to develop new technologies to modify the genome without uh, direct 
um, uh, manipulation. So we can try to optimize uh, the evolution without direct manipulation of DNA. And this is important because these organisms are not considered genetically modified. So this was an incredible amount of information. And I can gather from that that there's a huge universe of microbes which still wait for us to be discovered more. Microbes are everywhere, yes. We heard about engineering microbial communities to do a lot of good things, for example, to reduce harmful gases in global warming, but they're also good for the generation of new energy sources. Microbes are a sustainable food source, and that these new practices of biotechnology will become a critical player in the near-time future. And also we will be able to care better for the resources we actually have. So with this, I'd like to thank you, Juan Nogales from the Spanish National Research Council and you, Waltraud Juanita from Liquid for Vienna, very much for being here in the studio. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. <laughs> thank you as well. <laughs> you are listening to the mini podcast series Made by Microbes with today's title Engaging Microbes on the microphone Barbara Imhoff and Juan Waltraud and I, we all say goodbye. The podcast miniseries Made by Microbes is hosted by SynBio4 Flav, a research consortium that has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program under grant agreement number 814650. Members of the consortium SynBio4 Flav talk about their work in and outside laboratories and about their personal visions. <laughs>